Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo, halo, everybody! And welcome to another episode of the Sacred Icon Halo Show, where we talk all things Halo. Because we hate Halo. No, I'm just kidding. We love Halo. That's right, guys. Seems like it. (laughs) We're back with episode 54, and we're here to talk some Halo 4, when it released for the Xbox 360 in 2012. I'm your co-host, Jovial Joshua Hargis. Joining with me, as always, is my buddy, my pal, my friend. The Frodo and my Sam. I almost said Sam to my Frodo, and I was like, nah, Brian's not Sam. That's not right. <laughs> Brian Harvett. And joining us through this is a friend of the show, Alex Haruspis. Alex, Hello welcome there. back. Welcome back. Let me hear that voice. Let me hear that voice. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to Did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Oh, and Ian McDermott. <laughs> I, was, I was just about to say he needs to lead every podcast with Hello There from Obi-Wan and end it with Sheev, but he just did them both right out the gate. Oh, man, I love it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, guys, this is, uh, I got I to gotta admit, I think Josh probably on the same page. Once we kind of decided we were going to do like a whole Halo 4 retrospective with Alex, it was kind of like that's, even though we've done episodes since we decided that, like my brain's always been here, like waiting to get to these episodes. So, Josh, what do you got for us? Oh man, I've got a ton. But before before we get started, real quick, I just wanted to kind of pick each of your guys' brains and just kind of get uh, like like Alex. I'll start with you. Like, what's Halo Four is one of your favorite games? It's your favorite Halo game, to my understanding. So what about it? To say sure, yeah. <laughs> so what about it? Uh, just you know, in short, like is is really what what makes you love it as much as you do at this point? It's. Um... Well, I'm sure we'll get into this a bit later in terms of sort of the uh, landscape of the fan base at the time and everything, but it was just this perfect storm of everything that I had wanted a Halo game to be in its like campaign, its story especially, and just kind of like knowing all the intimate nuances of, of what built that and what went into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just what resonates with me so strongly. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Brian, what about you, man? What's Halo for me uh, to you? Yeah, I think we, we kind of talked about this a bit, like, before we started up the, the episode, but, like, I think there's a level in, in which people people like Alex and I, we, we really wanted some of the, you know, kind of the deep cut lore to come to the service. We wanted to kind of see some of these things that were always kind of kept in the background. And um, on one hand, I, I, think, I think one of the benefits of Bungie's Halos was that a lot of times they kept themselves very um, simple at a surface level. They kept themselves. They kind of kept the real deep stuff in the background, and I think that's one of the things that helped make it accessible to 
so many. And, and maybe that's why, even though Halo 4 is loved much more today than it was back in the day, which we'll, we'll get to, um, but I think that's one of the reasons why the, the Bungie Halos are always kind of seen as the golden ones because, I don't know, they had a way of telling it. You know, they kept it simple, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, it's kind of like a give and take because it's like if you keep it simple, you know, there's not as much risk and reward, you know. Not to say there was no risk and reward in the Bungie Halos, because there definitely was, especially Halo Two, for in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Halo Four, it's like okay, we're going, we're gonna, we're gonna bring up the, the Forerunner uh, conflict. We're gonna, with, we're gonna bring up the Didact. We're gonna have these amazing trilogy of books to tie into it. We're gonna dive deep into the emotion of Chief Cortana's rampancy. These are kind of things like, it's like by the time you beat Halo Three, you're like, okay, you know, I know that Chief was like. Uh, you know, conscripted as a kid and had to go through all this crap. And I know that Cortana is going to go rampant eventually, but like, we'll probably never see that in the games. And then it's like, oh, Halo 4. We're yeah, 343 is like, we're going there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, you know, it's interesting for me. I mean, you guys are listening to this have, have heard this story before, but to summarize, like, that game came out when Halo 4 released. I, I wasn't really playing games. And then uh, Justin, who's been on the show, was like, hey, I beat this. Do you want to play it? And I was like, there's a new Halo out. Wow, I'm out of touch. And and then I played Heresy. it. And I was like, yeah, right. And then I was like, I don't like this. I don't understand what's going on. And then I just didn't think about it for a while until that magical night when I'm hanging out with Justin and Brian comes over. And Brian's like, Josh, what are your thoughts about Halo 4? And I'm like, didn't like it. <laughs> and he's like, well, why didn't you like it? And I'm like, XYZ and he's like well ABC and starts telling me all this lore bits and how like I think I still think the thing that grabbed me the most was um, 343 Guilty Spark and just like all some of the dialogue he has and combat mm-hmm. evolved and I was like I was, a bomb just went off and suddenly I remember Justin was trying to get us to play Mario Kart and I'm just like pivoting you know my body language just turned toward Brian and I'm like keep talking it's like what what is that idris elba like part from pacific rim where he's like you, you know <laughs> you talking. Not, not an you yeah. keep talking <laughs> yeah not an uncle our, our friend justin was, was trying talking. to get us into mario kart yeah and josh and me we we were so deep into halo at that moment it was like shut up about mario kart <laughs> yeah yeah no and, and not a knock on justin whatsoever no. love him for that because that game was that was fun that was an awesome night but it was just i, I was suddenly i was like that was the first time in, in probably since 2000 and seven i guess where i was really like i really want to talk about halo hmm. so that just opened it and brought me back in and that's when i you know started watch fort unto dawn and started seeing like um just everything halo 4 related like the spartan ops cutscenes and everything and i got caught up and i was like this is awesome and now i'm at a point where i love it so for you guys listening i mean I, I feel like no matter how you feel about halo 4 we got you covered on this, so we'll be yeah, having a lot of different, different approaches. I was gonna say one thing, one kind of off note. I'll make Josh that I think we could, I think we could probably all relate to is like you said, you kind of just you weren't you weren't in, you weren't into gaming, and you know, Justin's like, oh, here here's Halo Four. You want to play it? And you're like, oh, okay, and you played it, and you're kind of like, oh, I don't. This kind of I don't really like this, or whatever, and you move on. Uh, the the mindset that we play games in really affects uh, what we feel about the game sometimes. I feel like oh definitely um, because definitely. I you know I was upset with Halo Five story like many people were, but by the time Halo Wars Two came out in 2017, uh, I was literally like going through a breakup with a, with my girlfriend right when Halo Wars Two came out. Mm-hmm. So I played Halo Wars Two in its entirety, and when I got done, I beat it. I was kind of like, eh. Another Halo Wars. Move on, yeah. It's and, so and it's crazy because like the last thing on my mind was video games. I probably shouldn't even be playing it, but mm-hmm. I beat it. I beat it, and I, I thought, you know, oh well, another Halo Wars, big deal. But then like 
once I was back into gaming more and I, I played Halo Wars 2 again, I was like, whoa, this is a really, really good game. And this is, does great things for the universe. And this has amazing ideas and concepts and characters. And like, I mean, I like Halo Wars 2, you know, more than some of the regular you know, first-person shooter Halo games. I was much uh, the same just... myself. Um, when that initial trailer, uh, so not the initial one, but the the later one where it's got the uh, the song, you know, I Know You, um, really great trailer. But at the time, I was in a, at a place where I was like, eh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not feeling it. And then, yeah. you know, I look back at that now, I was like, what the hell was I thinking? This was one, <laughs> yeah. one of the best trailers ever made. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, your mindset skews things a lot. That's why, like, I think it's worth, it's worth being open to, to giving things a second shot sometimes because like you know I I know Halo Four is still not Josh's like an all time favorite or top three or even or anything like that mm-hmm. but like Josh now legitimately yeah. enjoys Four and is glad that it's here. I love it. Whereas, I went and yeah, played yeah. I went and played uh, Halo Four just the other day a match of big team battle and I forget the name of the map but it's the remake of Valhalla and uh, Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Yes, yeah. thank you and. Dude, I had a blast. I was like, I was just, just the movements in that there was a, like the guy was running around on a mantis constantly and I kept trying to get the Spartan laser to take him out, <laughs> but I was using Promethean vision. So I was sneaking through the passageways and I was like, man, this stuff, like we'll get into this so much more. I just had a vision of doing that Spartan ops mission with mantises on Ragnarok. And I'm oh, it's man. so it's so weird that we had a mission on Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I just, but, but when I was playing that, I was thinking like, Dude, I love this game. Like, it's it's such a weird journey I've been through with it. But it's you know as we get on with these episodes and the shows, I you know, kind of talk about it more with certain aspects. But I think for me, it was like I, it was honestly it was more my own fault than anything. Because like I, I I went in not knowing what to expect, but it was I didn't even realize it wasn't Bungie. I didn't realize that it was three four three. I wasn't. I just didn't think like that at the time. Pay attention to that stuff. I was probably going, don't. "Whoa, you were really out of it." <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the thing, though. Like for the general audience, they did. They don't really think about that. It's like who who are the devs making the game and what are these studios and the politics between them and everything. Most people mm-hmm. just think, "Ah, another Halo game, cool." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when I played it, it was so different. And I think what it was is my whatever expectations I might have had going on underneath, I had to just get through that. And then when I came back to a point where I played it just as it was, and I started talking to people like Brian and then eventually you and stuff and seeing your articles, it was like, wow, there is, this is like multi-layered. Like there's a lot going on here. So I think we, for, I think we forget that not everybody's as nerdy as we are, you know, yeah. like we can kind of call it an echo chamber. And I think another thing too, is like, you know, there's two, two kind of different sides to it. On one hand, like, if, if you didn't like a game the first go through or whatever, you didn't like it at all, I mean, who cares? It's just entertainment. You know what I mean? Like, on one hand, like, we just do this stuff for fun. You know, like you said, it was like I'm saying that because, Josh, you're like, oh, it was my own fault I didn't like Halo 4. Well, they're just video games. You know, who cares? But I think that on the other hand, that's what makes it so important for people who, you know, we love to drop hot takes on places. That's why I said that because I'm like, it's like, you know. I'm like, when I... When I'm thinking, like, me back then who plays it and thinks Halo 4 sucks, it's like, okay, well, why does it suck? Is it suck because it it wasn't what you expected or it's like something doesn't meet your, you know, how, how much sub- subjectivity is in there? How much bias is in there? And then once I just got to a point where I was seeing it as it was, learning all the additional stuff around, and, around it and then kind of, like, seeing that in a way that made sense to me because I also didn't understand all the, like, Forerunner stuff before. So seeing all that kind of put into context the way Halo 4 was trying to do that. 
made me go, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. this is actually super good. I, I, this is this is kind of an off-topic comment, but it, it makes me laugh so hard. Like, uh, uh, 343 will make a post on Twitter about Halo 4, and I'll make a comment on Sacred Icon Halo, like, you know, Halo 4 was, was badass. And I'll get it'll be like at like 327 likes and, and a bunch of comments and then I get I check my notifications there's a new comment and it just says no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he showed you. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution. You know what? I, I rescind my comment. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I'll delete the tweet. Let me rewrite. Sorry. Oh uh, yes, yeah, so kick things off, guys. Um, I am. What we're going to be talking about today is a lot of quotes that I pulled from. The Vice article, The Complete Untold History of Halo by Steve Haskey. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, but for you guys who haven't read this, uh, this was published in 2017. Definitely go check this out. Uh, Alex pointed this my way, and Brian's read this too, and it is a fascinating read, guys. Like Overall, before we kind of dive right into this, just going to say like this was fantastic. It honest, Reading it felt like you're listening to, you're, I mean, you're reading it, but you feel like you're listening to a roundtable. You know, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's just from everyone from all these talking to all these different eras. I mean, it was fantastic. But uh, the first thing I'm going to pull from this is Marty O'Donnell, who said, I wanted the contract with Microsoft to be a very simple thing and ended up being that we also needed to give them Halo 4. That wasn't a bad thing. We needed more money to be independent. But there was also a middle game that was going to happen between Halo 3 and Halo 4. There was a period where we were going to work on a game with Peter Jackson. We had what we called the three buckets. Halo 3, the Peter Jackson game, and Halo 4. We had to fill those three buckets in order to be completely independent in our own IP. We officially became our own business around then, but we still had our contractual obligations with Microsoft. So, to kick things off, I'm going to start with you, Alex. Like, Where, for you as a fan, were you when Halo 3 came out? Because I feel like, looking back, for me, the sense of finality that that kind of like had you know, in its theme, when, I mean, when ODST, when Reach was coming out, it they weren't as much on my radar. Like, you guys are definitely the bigger fans for sure, but I think for me it was like, this was it, you know, and I wasn't, you know, wh- where was where were you? Like, were you hoping there was going to be more, or were you pretty satisfied if that was the end? I mean, where, what was your headspace? Absolutely. I was expecting uh, that we would see a lot more of some of the things that uh, that sort of built up, because I joined the Halo community back in um, 2007, during the summertime. And at that time, the uh, Iris ARG was going on for Halo 3, oh, where yeah. you had uh, you know, adjutant reflex, mendicant bias, all that story, like revealing these little sort of like servers with text and video and it built up this whole story with the forerunners and the flood gave you this little peek into the sort of the larger kind of story going there and then you know you get to halo 3 and it's kind of only a handful of missions which are really about that and you never really get much of a sense of that story really infringing on the actual narrative it's true it's very much a simple story of okay Kill Prophet of Truth, defeat the Flood, roll credits. <laughs> yeah, we'll I think I, I think I, that game on Earth. <laughs> I think I kind of relate. I, I can. I'm guessing we are on the exact same page, Alex. Where it's like every time you're playing, you know, Halo Three, for instance, and something, something like a terminal pops up or an off comment from you know three four three Guilty Spark saying you are Forerunner or something like that. Every time like a little little nugget like that pops up. When I'm playing the game for the first time, I'm going, let's just go down that road for a few hours. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's go. I, you know, I know what's going to happen to Truth, 
You know, I know it's gonna. I'm, I'm probably gonna kill his ass. But like, <laughs> let's just go ahead. Let's go ahead and explore this stuff for a little bit more. You know, and then when, the, yeah, I think you know, and when the story ends, the Halo Three ended. And I know you didn't really directly ask me, Josh, but like, oh, you're good. Um, I want to hear your opinion I, too. I kind of did think Halo Three was the end, at least with Chief. I mean, in 2007, as a 15 year old, it was easy to believe that. I didn't think necessarily Halo was done, but I thought you know, this is it, Chief, floating in space forever. That's what it was for me. I was kind of naive. Like I didn't really. I wasn't really as aware as I am now about how, like, hey, if it makes money, they're going <laughs> to probably <laughs> yeah. find a way to do yeah. more. So I literally just thought, like, no, this is the beginning, middle. This is the end. Like, we're going to be playing Halo 3 multiplayer in 2020 or something. So, which we are. <laughs> we are technically. So, yeah. But, yeah, uh, we very much still are. It's yeah. Best for me. Yeah, absolutely. Modern, uh, field of view um, adjustment. Thank oh. you so much. Yeah, the, other, the other thing that's made me think about, too, though, is. Uh, just the mindset. I mean, what do you guys think it was like for them at the time? Because you you you're working through Halo One, Two, and Three, and they each had their developmental woes. You know, so obviously Halo Two is the most, but then they're at a point like where he, Marty was saying how, you know, they had to feel those contractual obligations before they could be completely independent. I imagine. I mean, as much as I love Bungie, I imagine that had to just that had to suck. Yeah, you know? I mean, you know, you listen to some of the devs like uh, Jamie Griezmann talk about it, and he's he's like, we were so tired, man. We we just yeah. wanted to work on something. Else. <laughs> That's not to say, of course, that they didn't, you know, do anything that they didn't want to, or that they weren't excited about the projects they were working on with like ODST and Reach, and that they clearly were. That passion mm-hmm. absolutely shines through. But you can definitely get a sense that it's kind of. You know, it's it's not quite the sparkly eyed like they're right there. You know, they they're with it all the way. There are some areas where you see see some of the stretches in their uh, in their patience, perhaps. Yeah, I think about on that Halo Two documentary where there's like some shots of some of those guys literally sitting there at their desk and their heads are just like hung over. <laughs> they look dead. <laughs> they look like they have no heartbeat. They very much were. <laughs> were, uh, were you, what are your thoughts, Brian? Uh, well, I I think that you know. And this could spawn a whole other thing, which we'll probably come. Oh, go we, can wrap, we can wrap around too. Yeah, we'll come back potentially. But um, I mean, it's just kind of like with the you know all the inconsistencies that Reach posed in the mm. campaign. You know, I feel like and I, I'm drawing a conclusion here. I don't have, I can't back this up really. But like you know, we're talking about how they were fatigued with Halo, ready to move on to what we ended up being Destiny, and uh, you know, there's probably a sense of like we just want to make this Halo, this is our last Halo game contractually. We got to do. We just let's just make it the way we want. Don't give a, we don't give a shit about the lore. We don't give a shit about what the fans want from the books. Mm-hmm. This is what we want to do. After this, we'll probably never see Halo again in our hands because it's gonna be Microsoft. We're gonna be independent. Like, let's just kind of you know I kind of add that to what Alex was saying about how kind of like you know, as much as there is obvious passion there, they were kind of like this is it. Let's let's you know let's let's do this thing. Let's do it mm-hmm. well, but let's just kind of get out of here. You know, I think there's. And I almost wonder if there would be at least somebody at the, at, who worked on Halo Reach at the time who would look back now and go, you know, maybe it would have been nice if we had to try to keep that in line with the with the lore and stuff a little bit more. Maybe it would have been nice if we hadn't just... But I'm sure back then it's like, let's just get this thing done. Let's, just, <laughs> I, let's do it how we want to do it and get out of here. So, I don't know. Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that when I played Halo Reach. Obviously, I, again, not being as invested and knowledgeable about that stuff, uh, I just took it for what it was. But then when I reread Fall of Reach last year and i was like i remember i think i asked you about some of that stuff because it was is like really confusing because where the pillar of autumn is and stuff like that at the time mm-hmm. and, and i remember it's one of those things where i'm like i i don't need to think about like when i play halo reach i'm just i almost kind of like headcanon it you know and, and with some of that stuff but yeah i mean that is that is a weird uh 
I don't know what the word for it is. It's a, it's just a, it's a sore thumb, I guess, in a way. It's just like they went out with this really great story that kind of brought things full circle, but then they also had this sort of like glaring like aspect of where. Well, it kind of it kind of set a precedent for um, at least like the the mobility and like armor abilities and like the, the people love the, the, dire- <laughs> yeah, yeah, the direction. <laughs> I can't imagine I can't picturing imagine. all the people raging at armor blocks. So right. If Halo Reach had of more or less had the same mechanics and same abilities as Halo Three, I think Halo Four would look a little bit different. Do you agree with that, uh, Alex? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, and we've got um, those lovely documents from uh, Max Hoberman posted a little while back um, on Twitter, where he outlined what he wanted to do with Halo 3's multiplayer when they were all sat down and said, these are the ideas. And a lot of those ideas, you know, have come to fruition in Halos 4 and 5. But also, like, the you know, people often say, like, oh, it's like COD, you know, the the with starting with Halo 4 and Halo Reach and everything. Those ideas were absolutely there with the hope that they would be implemented in Halo 3, but they really cut back on a lot of those design decisions. Even stuff like going prone, was uh, was considered for Halo Three. Is that imagine the discourse around that? Like, oh, why is Spartans going prone? It would be a word. It'd be a word you want to block on Twitter. Yeah, like, I'm <laughs> sick of hearing the word prone. <laughs> so yeah, I think that it'd be uh, the new like Battle Royale. <laughs> yeah, had Bungie like stuck with the series, there I think we'd be looking at pretty similar gameplay to what we've to what we've got now. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, once again, this time we'll probably touch on more as we get deeper into this stuff. But like Halo Four's multiplayer, it's one of those deals. Halo 4's multiplayer, it's one of those things where it's like, I enjoyed it right out of the gate, and I, I, I really had a lot of fun with it, and it's one of those things where the, the narrative is so thick that it that it's awful, that I started to believe some of it, you know, and I, I do think there's legitimate merit to say that it's, it, from a competitive standpoint, it it's, doesn't hold up to other games, definitely, but it became this, like, it's almost like a... You get to a point where you, it starts to sink in, and you, you think it's a fact that you have to state. Like it's almost like I think in past episodes of this podcast, me and Josh have have said like, "Oh, Halo Four, great story, bad multiplayer." Hmm. Truth be told, I've never not had a blast with Halo Four's multiplayer. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, for some reason, I say it's bad because I guess it's it's socially accepted in the Halo community. It's those little bites that just kind of become the received wisdom that people sort of recycle and say over mm-hmm. and over, like, oh, Halo 4, uh, great story about multiplayer. Uh, Halo 5, bad campaign, great yeah. multiplayer. It's like there's so much more to it. and so much It's definitely not as black and white as it is. The- yeah collective opinions and, and you know this, this that can is, absolutely be sort of your view but i think that just sort of stating that as like the fact is, is, i always just think there's there's more complexity here only as yeah deals I, in absolutes yes. <laughs> there's something there's something i saw you, you said um or there was i saw a tweet you, you made alex about it was somebody else's tweet you commented on it was like post something about your your least favorite halo and you posted reach mm. and it made me think um and i don't know what your answer to this is but it made me think i'm like you know what in a sense, I'm, I'm guessing Alex probably probably has a lot. He kind of likes Halo Five story in a more, like, or at least kind of what some of the concepts is probably more interesting to you than Reach. Does that sound is that correct? Or I'd say, yeah, I think Sang Helios is the is the saving grace there for me. Mm. So good. <laughs> I Great. felt more for Sang Helios in five missions than I think I ever did for Reach in the game myself. I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I did knowing knowing the kind of person Alex is, uh, it, it makes sense that Reach is your your least. Uh, favorite halo because it's just it's very um 
it's kind of like plain white bread in a sense, like very, <laughs> very, very sci-fi, very ground, or not sci-fi, very sci-fi military, very grounded, very just kind of... Uh, See, it's funny that you say that because at the time going into Reach, like the whole Spartan 3 story in Ghosts of Onyx was my favorite part of the Halo canon, literally. Oh, like, wow. uh, we what? hadn't even had the Forerunner saga yet. So I was yeah. like, Ghosts of Onyx, Spartan 3s, this is the best like mm. stuff ever. And, you know, there's still part of me that uh, really gravitates towards that, which is why I really loved Denning picking up uh, in Last Light and Retribution, the whole Spartan 3 story with um, the Ferrets, Gamma Company, Vita Lopez and all that. Uh, and so when I went into Reach, you know, I had all, I'd, I'd reread Ghosts of Onyx probably like seven times throughout that year or <laughs> every month in anticipation for, the, for this game to drop. And I was like, oh, like SPI armor, all that stuff. We're going to see like... <laughs> this great reflection of what's in that book. No, no, I was naive. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's crazy how often, like, I guess just to simplify it, uh, kind of a way I look at, you know, obviously I love Bungie, uh, you know, my favorite game of all time is Halo 2. So mm. I have nothing, mostly nothing but good things to say about Bungie. But like so often during Bungie's tenure with Halo, it seemed like you're watching them drive a car <laughs> straight like they're on a road and they're driving 80 miles an hour straight towards a wall and everything and <laughs> you're seeing makes you think they're going to hit the wall. Like the wall could be, Oh, we're going to, we're going to get into, um, uh, Halo Re the fall of reach novel details. We're going to get into forerunner background. Mm. We're going to do these things. Like it's like, okay, they're taking us there. It's going to hit the wall. I've been watching it drive towards this wall for hours. It's going to hit the wall. And right before it hits the wall, they go, they turn left. It's a slight swerve. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. So we're not going to talk about the anything from Fall of Reach. We're not going to talk about foreigners. Like, well, why don't you guys want to talk about this shit? I want to hear about. <laughs> Come on. And then three four three is like, we want to talk about it so hard that we're going to scare some people away, which I liked and Alex liked. But you know, obviously now they're kind of trying to find that balance with Infinite. So yeah, you know, I look at Halo 4's multiplayer now, and and I think like, I wish, I wish it wasn't so like collectively shunned you know because mm -hmm. i mean when okay when i played when i first really got to play I, like i played the campaign in 2012 when it came out and then i didn't touch the multiplayer until i think it was 2014 brian had got me back sort of into halo and we're, we're kind of getting excited for master chief collection halo 4 is the relevant halo so we're playing that and i remember playing that stuff and thinking like with complete bias i was like every fiber of me is not supposed to like this game but every time I played that multiplayer and I was using Promethean Vision with the sniper rifle, I was like, <laughs> like I was so I felt so powerful and I, I loved those new abilities. And then seeing the I mean, we'll definitely talk about this more, but uh, I don't mind talking about it now. But like seeing the marriage uh, of how they tried to sort of weave in, you know, the multiplayer sort of in a way that kind of actually felt like it existed within the world. You know, it was a, something I really came to appreciate in that. Like, the ordinance drops at first. I'm like, oh, this is just Call of Duty with an identity crisis. And I understand those complaints. But like you said, I mean, there's a lot of this stuff is so much of what Max and the team, like, wanted to do at different points. Like, I can't remember if I have this in my notes or not. But I remember Max talking about how they wanted to essentially do what became Warzone in Halo 5. Like, that was mm -hmm. definitely something on paper that they had planned. I mean, it's just interesting, but why do we forget as gamers to have fun so often? Like, <laughs> because I, it's I really all about this discourse. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, I really enjoyed this game. I'm having a lot of fun. Two out of 10 sucks. Or it's like, what? Like, or it's like, or somebody would be like, take it from me. The game sucks. I have 400 logged hours on steam. 
You must Those be subjective insane. opinions are tough with that stuff. Yeah, it's like there's this uh, Star Wars documentary called Empire Dreams, and I can't remember the guy who says it, but he 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 talks about kind of like the legacy of Star Wars, and he it, the thing he says that always stood out to me is so simple, but he says it's a lot of fun to watch Star Wars. And every time I hear that, I think it is, man. Like every time I pop that those movies in, like I just I have fun, and and mm. you know I think about that when I when I would play Halo Four, I realized every time I was playing it, I was having fun. But it was like this sort of objective bias, or I don't know, no, I'm sorry, subjective bias that I would have when I started to talk to other people, and it was almost like like me being someone who's always loved the prequels. I felt like I ended up becoming a prequel hater in the Halo community <laughs> when it came to Halo 4, if that makes sense. Like, I was that person oh, yeah. for the for the Halo community. and well, But every time I'd play it, I was like, I'm having fun. Mm. You know? Yeah, just, there's, it, something, there's something there's so, so there's something that's like, you get, it gets to the point where, where things things in dis, in the discourse, they're just, they seem so old and tired. Um, I actually, before we started Sacred Icon, uh, I was listening to an episode of Podcast Evolved, and there was somebody who wrote in, Basically, they they kind of beat around the bush, saying like, "I like Halo, but I hate this thing. I like Halo, but I hate this thing." And everything they said they hated was all three four three stuff. It was very uh-huh. very clear. Uh-huh. And then and I remember I can't remember which uh, which uh, person from Podcast Evolved it was, but he kept reading it. He kept reading it. And he goes, "Okay, okay, okay I, I get it. You don't like the three four three stuff." It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like you know we we've, we've kind of heard this all before. You know, it's just like it's just like whenever you know. I make I make a tweet and somebody comes in and says, "Well, three, everything three four three's ever made is garbage." It's like, eh, just give, well, if, if that's how you feel, like, why are you still around, man? Like, I mean, it, it's it's been uh, ten, eight, years. ten years of three four three. Like, I mean, if if it's really that bad, I would just not waste my time. Like, yeah. I mean, if 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 it's truly garbage, after ten years, I would say there's no hope. And of course, there is people on there saying there's no hope for Halo. But I'm like, you're still here, though. You know, like you'll still get it. Yeah, you're still yeah, probably exactly. you're people are like people are like uh, I mean, and 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 I understand, you know, just how uh, rough the whole shader controversy stuff has been, you know. And I don't want to knock anyone, regardless of whatever side of the fence they're on. But like when that came out, I know some people were just like, "Oh, not buying it, not playing it." I'm like, "You're gonna play it. Like you're at it's least so gonna emotional. you're at least gonna boot it's it." So up. emotional to be there when it's not even confirmed really by three four three as much as kind of leaked through other means, and you're there to hear that. The second it becomes vital information, and you're so upset that you say you won't buy the game, obviously you're very emotionally invested in Halo, <laughs> and you will buy it day zero. <laughs> uh, but to reel it back in, though, uh, uh, in there they mentioned uh, Marty was talking about the Peter Jackson project, mm-hmm. and Paul Bertone, regarding that being Halo Chronicles, had to say uh, regarding some gameplay. This was something I had never heard before. He said you were effectively going to be weaker as a player, so I wanted to do things with AI. And make it so they wouldn't just attack you straight away. Engineer Damien Isla and I worked together on this system that he wrote called Kung Fu, which was basically that you'd be surrounded by a bunch of guys, but only a couple would engage you at a time. The others would be hiding or would reveal themselves just to take a peek. And a lot of that made that made it into ODST. It's funny because the player was eventually going to become a Promethean, which is a concept they later used on Halo 4 and Halo 5 for the Guardians and some other bad guys. Later on he had to say, Ultimately, where the Wingnut game was going to go was that you were the Promethean all the time, and you ended up in low orbit fighting Covenant cruisers with this ability to turn yourself into a missile targeting specific parts. But then the Halo movie deal fell through. Chat me up about this, guys. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that just sounds so out there. <laughs> right? Bit Alex, if, if, Alex if, you could, if you could just quickly clarify, for those who don't know, maybe kind of what the Peter Jackson project was, and then go ahead. Yeah, so this was called Halo Chronicles, and... Uh, 
I believe it was around 2007, 2008, that I first saw this pop up on the Halo wiki at the time. And I thought, what, what is this? This is this sounds like a new game. Because I, you know, I was, what, 13, 14 at the time. I wasn't following all the news outlets and everything. I was getting my Xbox magazines and my and all that stuff. So I just those days. come across, uh, yeah, with all the demo discs and everything. Yes. <laughs> so when I come across this on the Halo Wiki, I'm like, oh, this sounds like something new. This, this is how I got my news. And um, there wasn't really any details about it other than it was going to be like an episodic sort of story with uh, Peter Jackson at the helm collaborating with Bungie and that's kind of where our knowledge began and ended at the time and then it dropped off was cancelled and we never saw or heard anything about it again until these details came through in uh, in the 2017 interview yeah it's insane mm. uh, Brian for you being such a huge Lord of the Rings fan and you see as a Halo 3 or a Halo fan that Peter Jackson's going to be attached to this well, it's it's kind of weird because because like you know Alex was saying he was younger. Like I remember I remember being I can actually envision myself like waiting for the bus in high school um, after Halo Three came out and like this new uh, Peter Jackson Chronicles information to come out and like it's one of those deals where like when you're when you're fifteen you know I had when I started waiting for Halo Three I was what twelve. Uh, Mm-hmm. So like when you're 12 to 15, that seems like a huge jump in life. Like right now, now at the age we're all at now, three years kind of feels like nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Time but when ceased to have meaning. Ex- exactly. But when you're 12 to 15, that feels like you've, you've went through generations of life. <laughs> um, so, so when I just finally got Halo 3, which after that felt like an eternity to wait for, and I finally got Halo 3 and then I hear like murmurings of, of Chronicles and Peter Jackson stuff. I'm like, that sounds really cool, but that is probably so far into the distant future. Who even knows when I'm going to see that? Mm. You know, I mean, five, five years when you're 15 feels like 25 when you're an adult. It's like, it just seems like forever. Um, but uh, so I kind of just, I was like, this is really cool. Like, who knows what's going to happen next? But, you know, I'm glad I got my Halo 3 and, and, and uh, but yeah, Peter Jackson being attached to anything uh, made, made me excited, uh, even though, his consistency is not always uh, amazing, um, but like my favorite universe of all time, despite running doing Sacred Icon Halo, is uh, Lord of the Rings. That's my number one favorite, and um, I think I read something from, and I'm guessing Alex might be able to correct me. Was it Marty O'Donnell was saying somebody was saying how jealous they were Joe Staten got to be in like a Hobbit house or in, or he was he was in New Zealand. <laughs> I know that. He was in New Zealand, and he was, like, messaging one of the guys from Bungie. Mm-hmm. I think it was Marty O'Donnell. It could have been someone else, and they were saying how jealous they were that he got to be uh, up there. I think he stayed. I think he said he stayed in, like, a hobbit hole. Yes, yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, that's so cool, because it, it's just weird to kind of, like, uh, contextualize that. Like, for us, having any kind of involvement in Halo uh, seems instru- instrumental. Um, like, you know... Uh, Alex got to visit 343, got to sit down with, with Jeff Easterman. Yeah. Like, so, and he also got to sit down with uh, Neil Davidge. Am I saying his last name correctly? Yeah, yeah. That was last year. Um, this nice. time last so, year. Yeah, so like those are like, you know, whoa, holy, like you're as a Halo fan, I'm sure huge moments for you, Alex. It's so cool. But then when you hear something about like uh, Marty or whoever being jealous of Joe Staten being in a <laughs> hobbit hole in New Zealand, you're like, okay, like for these people who make Halo – for them, this is just their, like, Halo's their creative project. They're fans of these things that, to them, are way, way bigger. Yeah, yes, so, absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, so for them, it's like, you know, Halo's cool and all, but, like, I'm in New Zealand in a hobbit hole. This is way cooler. <laughs> and then, of course, for us, we're sitting down here and we're like, wow, if I could have anything to do with Halo, that's just so cool. Mm. So, it's just kind of... Yeah, I think... And, and, and then you get little people who, 
you know, um, not to take anything away from it because, you know, it, it's it's awesome what Alex does with, with his articles. It's, it's cool what we do with podcasting. But then you get people who become fans of Alex's articles or they become fans of listening to our podcast. And then if we interact with them, then they're like, they're excited. They get to interact with Haruspis. They get to interact with Sacred Icon Halo. Yeah, anytime hey, I hey, see hey. a like from Alex, I'm, my day's better for it. <laughs> I get that endorphin. <laughs> I mean, if you, told, if you told me when I was reading Alex's articles in 2013, we'd be doing podcasts with him, I'd be like... <laughs> What in the world? Um, yeah, yeah, you kind of have like this. There's always kind of like this. Uh, I don't want to say levels because that makes it seem like people are better than other people. It's, it's not that at all. But you know, it's like for us, for us, you know, Halo is this outstanding universe, and to have any kind of uh, part in it or to to do anything mm, in it, platform. you know, or for like Alex to meet Neil Davidge or whatever, so cool. And for other people, it's like, oh, I got to, I got to, I got to talk to Haruspis. I got to, I got to be on the Secret Icon Halo podcast. It's like, it's just cool. I mean, it just kind of. You know, to, to make a long story short, it's kind of, it's a frame of mind, you know, like, we're all just people, you know, we're all just Absolutely. people, we're all just fans of different things, you know, Joe, Joe Staten being a fan of being in New Zealand and Lord of the Rings and, and people, other people being bear, or, uh, being jealous, like, yeah, we're, we're all just fans and, and we're, we're blessed to to be a part of the things that we are. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know for me, I was extremely excited about that because I was like, at that point in time, I was so young too. I just thought Peter Jackson does everything right. I like everything he does, you know. Because even King Kong, when that came out in two thousand five, I'm like, love it. So, you know, I thought it was. Most people don't, but I like it too. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I know at that point, it it too for me seemed like a thing that like, okay, this is cool, but it seems like a very far off thing, and I want to hear like about stuff right now. It's like when they talked mm-hmm. about the Halo movie that we still, in some ways, haven't got like that vision of it. Oh, you know, it's like. Yeah, it's like I mean, they even mentioned that, um, and here he said uh, that they, you know, they were script. Yeah, they were working on all that uh, the Promethean sort of gameplay stuff, or at least the concepts of it, and then but then the Halo movie fell through, and that kind of like shifted stuff a bit. Mm. It's, uh, I mean, w- w- you know, while we're talking about it, what, do, what are you guys' thoughts about the Halo movie at the time, like when that was being talked about? Well, I've read the script, um, and I, I fi- it is basically what I figured it would be when I first heard about it. Oh, they're just going to ad- adapt the first game, and I was very much against that. Just it, it's a game for a reason. There, there's a certain a specific experience you get playing it, which you're not going to be able to convey in a film adaptation of you know this ten hour long campaign. Yeah, and sure, maybe some parts could have been you know truncated. We won't be going through all the same corridors in Two Betrayals, for example, in a film. Good. So that's fair. <laughs> Hope enough. not. That's in the extended edition. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's that's a good point because I, I mean, like, not to knock the Flood book because it's still good. It has still some great bits in there, but I mean, mm. you're it's just essentially a, a retelling. You know, of that experience. Reloaded and threw his grenade and killed the next group of enemies. It's so funny how he's. It's so (laughs) funny how William C. Dietz. Am I saying that right? William C. Dietz, I think, wrote that. Um, How he just the way you read the book, it's like. Were you writing this while you're in your recliner playing Combat Evolved? <laughs> <laughs> One hand on the mouse, the other on yeah. a separate. Like he's got a character limit. He's like, there okay. was a boulder ahead. I hid behind it when a banshee tried to attack me. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I think that's that. definitely a good point. Like it, I mean, I didn't, I didn't read the script myself, but I can, I can believe uh, where you stand on that because I, I, I just remember getting through that book and it was like there were some cool aspects of it, but it was tough. For me, it was my it was favorite funny. part of the script, and I th- I'm sure people have seen screen caps of it every now and then. Is um, it's when the chief gets to the bridge on Pillar of Autumn at the very start, and you know, when he meets Captain Keys, you know, they shake hands. He says, Good to see you, Master Chief. Things aren't going well. Uh, but in the script, he says, 
Good to see you, Master Chief. Let me get you up to speed. We're in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Man, just that line makes me feel like it's going to be like the Doom, the Doom movie quality. Ooh, that's a B movie. That's a B yeah. movie time. Mm. Man. Uh, but- <laughs> now, Josh, am I jumping ahead to say, obviously, well... If you're going to get there organically, we can just come to it later. Yeah, but no, no, uh, eventually, clear, guys, stuff- uh, while we're doing this series, we're, there's probably going to be so many times where we get ahead and the conversation just takes us places. So if we're talking about something you guys want to hear us talk at length about and we don't cover too much, don't worry. We're going to circle back to it. Yeah, we're going to say When we pitch this to Alex doing this, we're like, we're just going to long form talk about what we want until we reach the end. And if that takes <laughs> 10 episodes, if it takes 15, sure. You know, because uh, some of the long the- form. Yeah, because some, some of the best conversations and interesting things come out of just letting yourself go down those roads. And if we had the structure of, okay, Alex, we have to talk about everything Halo 4 in an episode or two, that would suck. <laughs> Not possible. Um, yeah. But what I was going to say, Josh, is like eventually some of these concepts also came into the, the District 9 movie. Um, yes. For, you know, so I don't know yeah. if that's something you were going to you know, up soon. Oh, yeah, go ahead. What would you, you say, Alex? Uh, the props as well. I think the uh, Halo sniper rifle shows up in uh, in that film as well. Yeah, I think the battle rifle. Isn't a battle rifle, rifle of sorts? Yeah. I, say, I think uh, the battle like rifle. A repainted well. battle rifle? Which is just, uh. it's weird to me because I don't, I, I didn't know that myself until reading through all this. And I love District 9. And, and it just is going to change how I go back and see it. Because I remember I remember seeing it knowing Neil Blomkamp had did, I think it was Landfall. Was that the name ODST. of it? ODST. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, I can see these vibes like in here. I'm like, I, I kind of, when I watched District 9, I tried to imagine what that movie would have looked like. The Halo movie. And I just can get those like vibes watching it, and it's but but knowing that well, some of the props the, are there. Correct me, guys, if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure like the whole if, for those of you who've seen the District Nine movie, the whole his arm transforming that was part of like a Promethean concept yeah, for Halo. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, funny which, as well because um, you know he's done Elysium, he's done Chappie. He can't stop telling Halo stories because you know. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. need to see Chappie. I hear so many great things about that film. Can somebody just edit the entire movie of Chappie to just be in place of Chappie's Cortana, like robot <laughs> Halo 5 Cortana? Like, it's not called Chappie, it's called Cortana. <laughs> and, uh, what do you guys think about uh, what we briefly heard kind of about the gameplay, about how you're like, you end up in low orbit, you're fighting Covenant cruisers, you could turn yourself into a missile and all this kind of stuff. Like, I know it's easy to just kind of write some stuff off when we're just reading it on screen, but what... what do you guys think that would have been something you would have enjoyed? Uh, provided the engine could handle that, <laughs> hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think, like on a tech level, like wow, that is that is ambitious. They are they're going high there, and I guess with like you know Peter Jackson money, you get you get that blank check probably to uh, to do that sort of thing. Um, so it would have been interesting to see where they went with that because you know we've seen Bungie experiment with space combat and everything. They uh, had higher ambitions for that with reach even but uh, it's never really come into being its kind of own complex thing and so to have a have that first step in there it would have been interesting to see what kind of legacy it would have left in the, in the franchise because that is just so wildly different coming out yeah. of halo 3 to yeah. anything that we'd done hitherto in the franchise yeah absolutely yeah, I, I think there's uh I think there's a level in which we don't we don't give enough credibility to the, to the the consistent quality of Halo. You know, I know for, I mean, there, there's kind of I feel like there's kind of just two or three big big like sects of the Halo uh, community right now. There's the Bungie only. Mm-hmm. There's the I like it all except for Halo Five, and then there's and then there's some people who just like it all. I mean, but I feel like I feel like most people fall into the category of I like it all, but Halo Five really disappointed me. 
uh, even though I've even though I've come to really like Halo Five in a lot of respects, that's that's kind of me. You know, I love Bungie three four three. I love all the games. I even love Five, but I'm just like you know that let's let's, let's try to rectify the five story stuff a bit. Let's kind of move towards in a good direction. But having said that, and I know plenty of people have plenty of complaints about Halo. Like if you look at the the twenty years of Halo, it's been taken care of really really well. Like definitely worse way it could have been handled. Do you agree with that, Alex? Yeah, there's a reason it's still around and it's still going strong. Yeah, yeah I mean, like even even if you think about some, if you can just kind of bring to your mind some of the, the worst narrative decisions of Halo Five, that's still in this wrapper of of quality with with the just the the build of the game, the the quality of the gameplay, the the presentation, the the music, the I mean. It wasn't for lack of trying, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, you look at the advanced mobility stuff and that is one of the sort of smoothest gameplay experiences I think you'll get with that, uh, with all that stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, for certain. I, I, I can't, no, nothing's coming to mind right at this moment, but there's plenty of franchises in the past in the gaming industry that uh, at some point they either got farmed out to a different developer or they... They just kind of got, they kind of lost all the, I mean, this is a poor example because it's nothing like Halo, but like like Crash Bandicoot, for instance, you know, very, I mean, back in the 90s, that's one of, that's one of the best games you know, at the time. Everybody, you're playing Crash or you're playing Super Mario 64, whatever. Um, but, you know, Crash 1, 2, 3, Crash Team Racing sold like hotcakes, big, like franchise looked like it had this huge future. And then it kind of, it went off to Activision and they did like Crash of the Titans, they changed yeah they changed the mechanics they changed the the art style the looks like it's same with spyro it, as well Sp- yeah spyro, spyro as well actually elijah wood was Spyro's <laughs> yeah because they games. did lord of the rings but spyro <laughs> yeah so, so if you look at those kind that. of if you look at those kind of instances it, it, it looked more like they were and i of course i know people behind the scenes i'm sure love those franchises and wanted to 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 be passionate about it, wanted to do a good job. But like, if you look at like Spyro, you look at Crash, it's kind of like, oh, they were kind of just using the IP's name to churn out games to hopefully make money. Mm-hmm. Whereas Halo, even if even if you're someone listening to this and you say, man, I hate Halo 5, I hate that game so much, I just I hate it. Halo 5, it, it, it still kind of reeks quality. You know, that's, that's a, a weird term to use for, but like, it's oozing quality. It they They put... They put their, in a sense, they put their best foot forward and, and they really tried to make something good. It wasn't just, let's crank out a Halo because we know the IP sells. Mm. I, I, they genuinely tried. They wanted Halo 5 to be this stellar game. And in some ways it was, in other ways it, it wasn't. And that goes back to the uh, sort of formation of 343 in the first place with, um, you know, the people who went over. You know, you'll see a lot of weird misinformation about like, oh, 90% of 343 is Bungie employees or, uh, you know, oh, only a handful of people at 343 are Bungie employees. And so it's kind of like none of it's really true because people are thinking about like the big names, you know, uh, Frank O'Connor, that, you know, that sort of person, Max Hoberman, Bonnie Ross, Kiki Wolf, Kill Blah, Blah. A lot of the people who carried on over there were not in the sort of like leading positions. There were people who were like testers from, um, you know, from the previous games who were familiar with the software architecture of the engine who got into sort of more kind of prestigious roles at 343 because they didn't get a manual as to how to operate all this, all these, you know, the engines and the tools and the tech and everything. They had to learn it from scratch. They essentially had to reteach themselves, you know, what Halo really was. And, um, you know, as much as people say that Fall diverged in a lot of ways from kind of tradition, they actually held back from a lot more out there ideas to keep within, you know, sort of those 
tenets of what makes Halo, you know, perceivably Halo. Um, so on a sort of individual level, we don't really see the whole picture of who's involved and, you know, what their what their role in all of it was in shaping this this weird creature that, uh, you know, we end up with. Yeah. Yeah. Not- I think I think as uh, consumers, we even even for like the real, you know, quote unquote, nerdy kind of insiders that you, we like to claim ourselves are. We were always like up to date on the stuff, doing research, like knowing the knowing the ins and outs, like, you know we're still on the outside, you know, we're still not at the mm. company. We're still not, we're still not there developing the game or, you know, we, we make a lot of assumptions and we, uh, we downplay nuance. <laughs> that just makes you think about infinite. They're on fire over there. It's like every time you hear some yeah. weird leak yeah. rumor, they're just oh. like, they're running with exactly. like chickens with the heads cut off over there. It's, yeah. And then I, I, I hate when I see like these, you know, somebody comes in like delay the game to 2025. Obviously it's not ready. <laughs> like, you don't know anything, you know, and I actually, and, uh, to, to kind of give you guys, you know, <laughs> give you insight of when a sacred icon can be uh at least for me specifically can kind of be a dick is uh i sent a, a message to alex like two days ago there's somebody arguing on twitter and somebody came in and they were like well bungie wrote most of halo 4 anyways <laughs> and i just i just screen capped it and sent it to alex because i'm like i'm just gonna make alex like turn over and just sleep like ah, i can't you know just like <laughs> like that's not even where where the where does this information come from how does these things get perpetuated and spread like mm. bungie did not write 90 percent of halo 4 <laughs> bungie didn't even write 90 percent of halo one <laughs> there's that there's a lot to that too and that's a, that's something that's a, at least that one there's a little more credibility as mm. to why you could think that it was all bungee um, that man that would be a great episode for some other time too josh yeah. eric nyland and 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 uh, combat evolved and, and how all that played out that's so interesting. i don't know as character kind of through some of the the research for this I, I kept thinking about some of the ones we haven't done yet and i'm thinking like i feel like halo combat evolved would be super interesting just because of just that's the first inception you know and just everything that i mean they had so much so much in this just talking about like even when bungie got there and they had the cubicles and they're like we are not having this (laughs) so you know it's actually it's actually after after we started sacred icon halo that i kind of i don't know who presented this concept to me but it was like chief master chief had more character in halo one than he did in two Like, do you agree with that, Alex? Absolutely. I wrote okay. articles on that, actually. <laughs> maybe I mean, maybe it was your... I honestly have no idea where I heard it from, but it was after I started Sacred Icon Halo, somebody presented that idea to me. I'm like, wait wait a minute. That's actually true. Like, if you play Halo 1, Chief has a lot more charisma and character, and... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. tossing that grenade. He's like, I got something yeah. loaded in the chamber for him. Exactly. <laughs> when they get uh, in the escape pod, you know, he pats a Marine on the shoulder to try and reassure him. It's like those little yeah. sort of subtle motions, which are deliberately placed because they had to actually hand animate all that stuff. There was no like mocap or anything for just relying on yeah. the actor. And um, yeah, there's a lot more sort of deliberate character action in how expressive he's he is trying to, like, compared to Halo 2, just, where he's kind of just sort of spatting off one-liners. It's like, I'm here to say badass one-liner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, it's, like, it's almost like that, you know, in the control room in Halo 1, where Cortana's like, get out of here, you gotta go take care. He's like, you, know, like, you, want, a large, you want a large pizza? Was that with pepper? <laughs> get out of here. He's like, you want extra sausage? She's like, get oh, this kid oh, going. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. You need some, uh, I'll bring you back whatever you need. You want some like, dipping sauce? Uh, that's why it was essential like this that's why it was essential that linda had to be in cryo for halo one because if she was on that ring you know the game would be over within three missions (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a good point alone he's like i I think during it's that same scene he's like hold on you know and he's like trying to just like it's not going to happen you know (laughs) you can detect a lot of like character in his voice and that's so much to do with uh eric nyland and uh what's the what was the editor um name Uh, Um, eric troutman 
Eric Troutman, yes. Uh, the two of them played such a huge uh, role in, in how that went down. But anyways, another episode with Haruspas. That'll be a good one. Uh, <laughs> no, this makes anyways, me think, God. though, uh, this makes me think it's a little side tangent, too, is that, like, I mean, you guys can correct me on the specifics, but, like, 343's pretty much been doing this about as long as Bungie has now, right? Yeah. More or less. So... I mean, I, I, you always see the, the, the sort of argument that, that, you know, they don't know what they're doing and stuff like that. But I think, you know, aside from like the coalition, I don't know of too many other places that have had to inherit, you know, a sort of mantle of this, like mm. this uh, popular franchise. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many different like franchises out there that have that have come out. But you, you don't see somebody just go, okay, here's a, here's Wolfenstein or here's, I mean, here's Legend of Zelda, Xbox. You guys are going to do this now. <laughs> like, have fun <laughs> trying to do it. Like, I mean, that's I mean, just... If you look at Bungie nowadays, I mean, it, despite, you know, how great Destiny may be, uh, it, 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 in my opinion, Destiny is nothing like uh, Halo 1, 2, and 3 Bungie. It's still very different. No, it's still... Yeah, they've got yeah, hundreds no, just... more people working from now uh, across various different studios. It's like... Yeah, we're we're so far past that now. You can't sort of uh, romanticize really about them because it's just not the same company, and that's not like a good or bad thing. It's just it's just different. Yeah, yeah. If if if, if Bungie were to make a Halo today, I mean, there's a great chance it'd be a, a great game. But uh, well, I think would it would it feel exactly like your favorite Halo from two thousand four or seven or one or whatever? Probably not. That's a good point. I think too, like. You know, it, you know, for you guys listening to this kind of like as the episodes kind of dropped, like Halo 4 has just come to the Master Chief Collection. We've now come full circle on this journey that they've been uh, sort of taking us on. Man, does it look beautiful. Oh, yeah. Ooh, it Halo looks 4. super Ooh. good. But, uh, Ooh, ta, 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 ta. you know, <laughs> oh, uh, anytime you see, I mean, I, I know you guys have noticed this too, probably. But anytime you see them talk about Halo 4, like the official Halo Twitter and stuff like that, you can tell. They are incredibly proud of this game. And the thing it makes me think about, it really puts into perspective for me, is that as these other ones have come out that they've had to get on the Master Chief Collection for PC, and just even before then, as far back as trying to fix just this, this stuff in general, it's like they've been, the stuff they've been working on re, uh, releasing, even though Halo's their baby, that wasn't theirs. You know, it's almost like a kid, like, yeah, even though they, they love it, they love that kid and they care for it, it's not like of their blood. You know what I mean? And you look at Halo 4. And this is something that's very much their own. And you can tell they're just really proud of it. And I just think that's, it's so cool to see sort of the, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure there was some negative people out there, but I was seeing mostly like favorable, you know, just feedback and, and, and Dude, there's, there's love. something that makes me, every time I think about it, it makes me sad. It makes me kind of cringe. And I, you may, maybe you've both seen it, but I know for sure Alex has seen it. There was a, and you're gonna have to correct me on her name. It was one of the writers for Halo 4. Her name was it Morgan Lockhart. Yes. Okay. Uh, she seems like a really, I mean, I don't know her. She seems so sweet. She seems nice. Um, but there was like a, I don't know if it was a PAX or E3 or something. There was a panel with her on it. And uh, this was a year or two after Halo 4 came out. And knowing that she is part of the prime writing team, somebody comes up, a oh, question no. from the audience. And he basically, whatever way he said it is actually worse than the way I said it. Because it was like a kind of cringe secondhand. He was basically like, He's like, I've really enjoyed all the Halo games, you know, one, two, three, except for four. I didn't like that. I thought that was bad. I remember like this, that. yeah. 
Yeah, and I, he says that, and I just and I I'm, I'm literally like staring at Morgan Lockhart, like because I know she was so prominent in the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can. Just, I'm cringing just thinking about that. I'm so I know it's like <laughs> so you know it just seemed like such a dick move to say that. I'm like you know I'm like how does she feel? Especially yeah, to be said. Yeah, not to mention like so many people like uh, definitely Alex and myself, and I, I think Josh, you know, more so as time goes on, we think that that story and that writing was stellar. So for her to have to endure, she's one of several people, you know, have to endure so much. Well, uh, of the that. biggest takeaway for me doing this whole project is definitely that like they had, they were juggling a ton of balls in the air, and I feel like they caught every one of them. You know, like with Halo I, Four, yeah, yeah. Like, I think the, I mean, honestly, if, I, if I'm going to sit here and I'm going to pick, if if someone said like, can you just, okay, you seem like you like it, can you give me one thing you don't like about it? I'd say. The gameplay design of, of Spartan Ops, just the level design, you know, just the structure of that. Like the story, awesome. Multiplayer, so much fun. I know they did a lot of good things with Forge, even though I don't particularly mess with Forge in general. Like, But everything else, even when I get to the main menu, I love that. <laughs> you know, like, I love that shit. Spot on, Josh. Yeah, uh, Claire Tchaikovsky is, uh, is loving your impression there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, moving on. Uh, man, I'm loving this. Uh, Marty O'Donnell said, Halo 4, eventually Reach, corrects himself, he says, was taken over by Marcus Leto as project lead. I don't know how the decision was made, but conceptually, I remember talking about not continuing the Master Chief story. It would be a prequel to Halo. So we were going to finish our Halo run without any need to figure out the Chief's future. I know we already kind of touched upon this, but I, I just kind of wanted to pick your guys' brains. Like, I imagine at the time, in, in some ways, this had to be a relief, right? Because, like, if I'm if I'm in Bungie's position and I'm I'm having to still kind of do stuff, like Halo 3 is it has a sense of finality to it that it does, and we've established this, but we still have these obligations to fill. And we can either go down two different roads, one being seeing what happens to Chief next, you know, getting out of uh, Cryo and seeing what his journey is, or maybe kind of exploring some different aspects of the Haloverse. I feel like I'm going to have more fun exploring the different aspects, the non-Master Chief stuff, because like... Um, I've just told that story so many times yeah. and I already came to a point where it had finality. I'm like, okay, I already want to move on and do other stuff. So maybe I'll try to find that middle ground within this sort of obligation and do something different. I mean, what do you guys think about yeah, that? Yeah. Back in um, 2010, when Reach was coming out, there was an interview with um, Brian Gerard sketch, who of course is now at yeah. 343. And um, yeah, he's a fantastic guy. And he was speaking about Halo 4. Um, you know, which Reach originally supposedly was. You know, you'll get different answers depending on who you ask um, about the extent to which Halo 4 was considered at Bungie. But uh, for Brian Gerard, he says that, uh, you know, we really didn't want to start a story we weren't going to be able to finish, really, as, um, you know, picking up the Master Chief story there. Mm-hmm. Because there was just so much baggage with that, what that continuation would bring, rather than something like Reach, which kind of closes the closes the loop. Uh, so in that sense, it's completely understandable that they didn't go with that story. And I'm, you know, I'm gl- for whatever I, you know, dislike Reach for, I'm kind of glad that they went with that kind of prequel approach. I'm definitely, Brian, what are your thoughts? Yeah, there, uh, I, it, in retrospect, it seems to me like Bungie kind of made the perfect decision in how they approached that. Because two different things. One, they, they showed that other stories in the Halo universe really, really work mm. without Master Chief. Yeah, like that you they, could do it without Master Chief. Yeah, they delivered, yeah. to 343, they delivered this, okay, we've told, the tor- we've, we've told the story with Spartan 3s and Reach, we've told the ODST story, um, these worked very well, you know, we, we've proven that it doesn't have to be a Master Chief thing only, 
Um, also, there was Halo Wars, which was was obviously against Bungie's wishes, but that was also <laughs> there for credibility. Um, but there's that, and then there's also, and to you know, once again to make a Star Wars comparison, even though it shouldn't be apt, but it is. Is you look at like you know so many so much conflicts with the sequel trilogy is that you had like the they didn't have a plan from the beginning and you kind of had like you had your JJ vision and you had your Rian vision and you had your originally quasi quasi uh, JJ ending uh, vision and it's like I kind of compare that and it's not really a complete comparison but like if Bungie had started Halo Four and handed it off did Halo Four and handed it off. I mean, is that really the way you want to start a new thing? Mm. It's like here, here's here's Bungie and these people's vision, and then it's so nice that they said, okay, let us let us make some background kind of games, some spinoff stuff that can help make this universe feel more full, and then deliver to you the ability to take it in your own direction, uh, which I think was uh, a much smarter. Uh, I think way it was to too. It. I mean, it seems like we're all in agreement on that because I I just imagine them trying to do, to, having done Halo Four, and then three four three having to sort of continue all that to follow that up rather than sort of like i mean the great thing about them having done halo 4 i feel like is that you you did have sort of a blank slate like okay like you know where halo 3 ends you can literally take this in any direction you want rather than hey here's how he got out you know from a bungee perspective and now like maybe they set up this maybe they had their own kind of new enemies that you know were like the banished let's say for example and now you, now 343 has to come in and continue that where i'm like I'm, i think it's cool that at least despite how yeah, man, how how overwhelming that had to be at times trying to to make this game and and just the, the stress and, and and worry that they were you know whether or not they were making a game people are going to enjoy was, you know at least they got to be able to sort of have a a good sort of blank slate you know at the same time it's really interesting to think of the actual content of Halo Four's story and where it kind of ends because you could effectively have that be kind of an ending for the chief where you know he comes he's brought back to earth at the end you know cortana's Good gone point. he's facing this very uncertain open-ended future because outside of like the didact's sort of speech in the epilogue about the reclamation having begun there's no sequel hook to halo 4 they leave that to spartan ops i was thinking this too i'm glad you said that i'm glad you said that alex um yeah, I, I, Halo Four is kind of like a, it almost feels like an epilogue, doesn't it? Mm, in, a sense, in a lot of ways, game. especially with Halo yeah. Five, you know, in in retrospect, where that uh, sort of tells its own story. It's like Halo Four is this kind of weird middle ground between the original trilogy, where it follows on from some of the threads that that left open, to Halo Five, which kind of starts a different story, and then Four is kind of like now I look at it as sort of this epilogue, this love letter almost to that sort of beginning part of the franchise. Yeah, I've never considered this before. What a what a cool thing for for Bungie to leave uh, to leave Master Chief alone at Halo Three when he handed it off because I can't I can't imagine the excitement it must have been for the people who were working at Three Four Three and they were just taking the reins of Halo and saying, you know, Bungie saying here you guys. Obviously, I'm not saying this is exactly how Bungie wanted it to go. If Bungie could become independent and keep Halo IP, they would have. But mm-hmm. like. Um, they're like, here you go. You know, you guys can now tell your Master Chief story that takes place after. Like to be able to be at three four three and say, wow, I I get to be one of the people deciding. I know that like not everybody gets to make the decisions, but I get to be one of the people deciding where to take Halo after after three. Mm. Like that that's gotta feel like so exciting. Like, I, I imagine like I imagine there was equal amount of stress to excitement at three four three when trying to build a studio and build Halo four. Like we get this opportunity where to go. Uh, you know, well, cool. I, I love the I mean, like I think about, you know, like I think it was in the 
think it was in the initial announced trailer for Halo 4, but like you hear Cortana say like, wake up, John. Mm. And I just think those three words just Tills. resonate. They're so symbolic because it's like of, of just that sense of direction because, I mean, you can, you know, basically like it's like it's like Bungie saying, okay, 343, like how do you guys want to wake him up? You know, I mean, you could take this any which way you want. And Chills, man. I remember I, I, it was just like my, if it, for anybody listened to our uh, infinite reaction, when it, when it, I, it was E3. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was okay. E3. It was E3 and I'm like, okay, you, you got that, you got a Halo anniversary? Halo, what? There's a Halo 4? Oh, so, wait, I need you, Chief? Yeah, whoa, like, holy, like, mm-hmm. it's 2011 and it's like, okay, we're getting Halo anniversary there this year, HD graphics, oh my gosh, and then, and then seeing like, that to me, and I don't know how you guys feel, but that that original Halo Four announcement trailer—that is exactly what I wanted to see. Yeah, that it was, was the uh, that was the first E3 I'd actually tuned into live, and I remember watching that. And you know, at the end, uh, I can't remember who who the person was, but uh, he says, you know, oh, we've got this last little something, a new trilogy that's coming out. Uh, we'll just show you this, and then it starts off with you know the in the darkness of what looks like space with like the. Uh, what we eventually see is like his nervous system coming back to life yes. and everything, but it looks like you know stars kind of like coming into existence, and then eventually you know you come up through his face, and then Cortana says, you know, I need you, wake up, John. It's like yes, yeah, it's like a table. Music, that music just a dun 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 dun, and then you know, and it oh, kind of does yeah. that fade oh, out. And it's and got that amazing wheel. version, probably my favorite version of the Halo theme that plays at the end with that like kind of dark metallic thrumming Dude, underneath. When I it. heard that, is there any way to this? get that? <laughs> amazing. Like, is that officially released anywhere? Sadly, not. Oh, it, I I agree with you. I've Alex. I've, I've listened to the trailer just to hear that mm. over and over. So like, good, dude. So why good. Why did that ever become like a thing I can buy? Nine. You know, <laughs> that makes me think though is like I, I ever every time I feel like I've seen one now since four. There's always a moment where I'm like, is this what, what game is this? There's like a few <laughs> moments where I'm trying to figure out what this is. It's never just so clearly Halo to me right away. Like I think of the 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 chief one, you know, walking. And he's got the, the yeah, he's got the he's got the cloak on and everything, and, and I'm just like, what is this? And then it blows back, and you see him, and I'm like, Halo! There's always that moment, that Halo freakout moment for me. I don't know. That's the only thing I've continually been negative on Sacred Icon Halo, like specifically around Alex. I'm like, I want to die on this hill of I don't like the cloak. I don't like the cloak. I've never seen the figure the of it in, a sto- in like a Target one time, and I was like, this isn't even in the game. Like what? Yeah. But that's cool that they made it. It's Props cool. to um, whoever it is at 343's like marketing for trailer is that who has the specific direction of making you think that this game could be anything other than Halo and then having that moment where they, you know, reveal that it is actually Halo. Yes. Like, you know, we have that yeah. Halo 4 one where you start off in his nervous system, the Halo 5 one with the cloak, uh, the Halo Infinite one with the pilot and um, the original sort of announced trailer where you're just seeing the uh, slip space environments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. good. Really yeah. good direction. Every it gets me every time. time. Yeah. And, you know, despite, you know, not going into not going into depth on this, like uh, for me, Halo 5's marketing was only second to threes. Like 5's Absolutely. marketing was so good. Can you so guys imagine good. if that Halo 4 announcement trailer was literally just like, wake up, John. It's time to get up. And it's just so <laughs> tranquil and peaceful. Like, like, why are you waking him up? <laughs> it's the complete like, I made you some macaroni and cheese in the microwave, ding. <laughs> She's like, look, I'm running rampant, so I need some help. <laughs> you know? Like, I just trying to imagine, like, you know, Chief opens the crowd pot first. He said, "Girl, you crazy." <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's that trailer. I, we'll get into it when we get to that point. But man, is that awesome watching that? Because, I mean, 
even rewatching it, you know, I try to when I rewatch some of these things, it's fun to just try to put yourself in the headspace you were when you mm-hmm. first saw it, you know, and you go back to that point. And I stop watching. I downloaded it in 1080p, even though I had a full internet. Well, yeah, you're like, I want like, this on my hard drive. What the hell trailer. is going on? And then as he gets to the end of it, and that, like you said, that that version of the theme's playing, and he's kind of standing at the, the sort of edge of the ship on the outside, and and the camera kind of pans and stuff. It's sticky like, detonator. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just. What is that? Oh, here's a question I've never I've never actually asked anyone. I want to see what your opinion is on this, Alex. Like, why why did uh, they they gave Cortana an interesting look for that trailer? They did, yeah. I actually really like that look. It's uh, mm, I stuff real quick. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's very it kind of reminds basic. me of the Halo One. Yeah, Cortana. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they they didn't. It doesn't seem like there's any indication of them using that model for ever anywhere other than that trailer. Mm. Um, at least as far as I know. So. Oh, that's interesting. But, uh, they must yeah. have just yeah. not had the uh, you know the final kind of concept vision really implemented and uh, and finished to to show that, and they just have this much more kind of basic humanoid shape for her. I really like it. If we get another Cortana, I'd love to have that as the actual model. Right. Yeah. I think there's so there's such a it's one of those cases where it's like it's not as black and white as people like to make it. Um, I know I know for so many people when Halo Four came out, there was a, an issue with people not liking how sexualized she she seemed to be, and. There, people wanted there to be in Halo Five or going forward. They wanted to have a version of Cortana that seemed less sexualized. Well, then you get the Halo Five Cortana, and it's like there's ways to make her not sexualized. That's not the way she looks in Halo Five. <laughs> you know, like there's many ways you can you can make Cortana look great without having her. I mean, I, in my opinion, Halo Five, I just I, I don't care for her look. No, I don't. Uh, I don't. I think there's some cool ideas in there, like oh, let's give her armor and that sort of thing. But uh, I don't. I don't care for the look of it myself. Yeah, I think I I definitely like though that they every Halo seems to be a different design of Cortana though. Like it's I I, I don't seeing the Halo One Cortana in twenty twenty that kind of look mm. would be so cool. Be it really would. I, I would like to see that you know, a different version of or a kind of modern modernized version of that. But yeah. uh, moving on, this is where uh, we start the the conversation starts to shift uh, into the actual transition of three four three with Marty saying. At some point during Reach, Microsoft started building 343 to be the people to take over Halo. It wasn't always the friendliest transition in the world. I mean, it was just hard. This was our baby that we never owned, and we were going to give it over to a bunch of strangers. And the only person who had decided to stay with Microsoft and be part of the new order was Frank O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> he says new order. Like, I don't know. I mean, out of context, it's hard to tell, but it almost sounds like there's a little bit of shit. I love there. Marty, but he says a lot. He does. He, ta- he, he talks he a lot. He could say less. Either. I would encourage him to do so. <laughs> I think I'm with you, Alex. I think I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, can you, I mean, trying to get into the headspace of what it was like at that time, I mean, I still think that's got to be tough too, right? Because you, you know, you want to be done with this project, but then, you know, it's like, at the same time, you have, you got to give it away. It's not like you can just, you can say, okay, I'm, I'm, I want to be done with this. We're done. We're gonna walk away and do something else now. But now it's also like, okay, we have to hand this off too. And you've got your friends and colleagues who now face this decision of like, do we? stick together you know are we are we this cohesive kind of unit are we going to work on the next thing together it's going to be great yes. or are you you know super passionate about this universe and do you want to you know go over to this new studio where you know you've got so many unknowns really uh, mm-hmm. but you've got you know the backing of microsoft and everything it's i imagine that people like were agonizing over that decision um for their for their own futures yeah yeah i i feel like that was that had to have been something so tough because i mean like you said, there was obviously, uh, you know, more people than just people like Frank, you know, but he's the one that always gets kind of cited as the, I guess, the the biggest name, you know, but I mean, it's just 
that had to be it had to be an interesting time. Like I would have loved to be a fly on the wall for that kind of mm. point because you it's know, just, I was go say, ahead, Ryan. Frank Frank uh, Frank's gotten real quiet. Uh, it seems in the last few years, and I, I don't blame him because he's kind of been this. Uh, I don't know if you'll agree, Alex, but to me, Frank's kind of been like the uh, it's almost like the the bullet sponge for the community <laughs> for so long. Uh, maybe he's just ready to. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, for so long, Frank was the guy. It's like. And I don't know this, and you know, if this is actually the case, but it seemed like for so long they kind of put, they're like, hey, Frank, let's kind of put you out in front there. People like your face. People know you from Bungie. Like, let's, you know, this is kind of a good thing. And for so long, Frank took all the, you know, all the heat. And, and um, I, I was, you know, back in the day, I used to be now, uh, and many people are aware of a forum called Resetera, um, mm. which Frank is a part of, and uh, used to be a forum called NeoGAF that he was also part of. And I used to, you know, he used to be on there, and he would very much be right on the front lines. Whenever something dropped, he would be uh, trying to explain things or, or help people or ease their minds on, you know, why this decision was made. And anymore, it seems like he's he's kind of uh, quieted down. And I think it, the guy probably needs some rest from, from all that, <laughs> especially after Halo Five. Exactly, you know. Uh, he, I will say he is. You know, I mean, I know we can all agree on this, but man, I love listening to him when he's talked at panels. Oh, he is absolutely poetic. His his writing itself, his prose, is some of the best that I think I've read in Halo, and I would love to see him do more. He needs to do more now, Frank. If you're ever listening to this, you know, I, I'm telling you, please do more. Um, yeah. And I just like even reading. Um, so for the Halo Four soundtrack, comes with this extra little booklet where Neil Davidge breaks down like all the sort of like nuances of the tracks and how they were recorded and everything. And there's a foreword by Frank O'Connor. And I wish I had it in front of me to read some of it, but uh, just even when he's doing something like this, talking about someone else, it is just beautifully poetic. Uh, it's almost lyrical the way he, uh, he sort of articulates these things. And I really just want to see more yeah. from him. Yeah. I feel like he's, he's, I mean, he can ramble sometimes, but he's very concise and, and really well at like even answering just people when I've seen, when I've watched some of these panels and stuff like that, like very good at directing the flow of conversation and stuff like that. And he also has a really wicked, good sense of humor, I feel like, <laughs> which is very refreshing to see. Cause I loved his ice bucket challenge coming out of the janitor. You know, that was great. <laughs> yeah, I calling that. him out saying, Hey Frank, you know, you don't get to get away with not having that ice on your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, speak- yeah. I, 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 I think it, it, it's so hard for, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm exempt from this or anything, but like it's, it's so hard for us as consumers, gamers, fans, whatever to, you, you start to uh, dehumanize people yeah. because they're associate they're behind the scenes of this product that you're so passionate about and it's like you know truth be told at the end of the day uh, Frank O'Connor's life or any individual's life people we don't even know behind the scenes is more important than Halo their life is more important yep. than Halo so Absolutely. to 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 be just to be dehumanizing over a, a decision that was made uh, even even like a more recent you know with uh, Josh briefly touched on is the the armor coatings thing even if your opinion is the armor coatings are the worst business practice ever made and and that's and that's fine that you believe that like this it doesn't matter how bad the decision is or how bad the concept is it's never excuse to dehumanize the people uh, who have to make that stuff you know aren't aren't always going to be people who agree with it but they have to believe in that vision for the project because they have to do their best you know, right. for for, for have- the game. So, you know, you can't really take the human equation out of there because the people who work on, you know, we all work on stuff that we don't always necessarily agree with. And, you know, we like to think, oh, we make this great defiant stand about, you know, oh, this is wrong. But 
that's not really how uh, how these things, especially in the realm of uh, you know video games, really works. Mm-hmm. That's a good point because I mean, even when you look at things like microtransactions, that always you know whether it's justified or not. I mean, it, it definitely is the kind of thing that if a game has some kind of aspect of it, people are going to want to talk about it. Mm. And you think that these people who kind of have implement and design things around this stuff, it's not like they necessarily sit there and wanted to come to work today and have to do that stuff. But I mean, a part of it is very much trying to like you have to still try to bring that up to to par and quality to the best of your ability. Like like, do I not like this? Sure. But am I going to try to make it the best possible version of what they need this to be? Yeah, I mean, it's it's they don't deserve to be. It's like if, um, you, if you go ahead. join three four three as a writer, say, and then you get handed the job of doing, you know, the description for toys, for example. You know, you're not you're not writing the the next big story on the games or the books or whatever. They say you've got to write the description for toys, and you know, people will frame that as like that's an unexciting job. You know, sure. But, you've got a couple of paragraphs to work with for this description. You have to find the passion in that to really, you know, figure out what it is that's going to grab people and what's going to sort of engage you. Because I think of that, and um, I I had this question posed to me when I went over to visit back in 2018. And I just thought to myself, you know, I remember when I was a kid and I was getting toys and I would, you know, as somebody who's into story and everything, I would read that stuff. I, I would look at that stuff and get even the slightest sliver of like lore or, you know, story to it. And the Halo toys themselves have got a bit of that going on with like the Reap X stuff where there's forerunner integration into UNSC things. And they did that just because um, these companies like Megablocks and that so that they can have some freedom to sort of do more divergent things with um, you know, the vehicles and stuff that they create so they can just have a bit more fun creating stuff. And I think, you know what, writing toy descriptions for Halo doesn't sound bad at all. No, it's yeah. funny. I love that you how many said times that. do you read those descriptions over and over? Yeah. Well, you know? I was the same way. I remember getting like the like a, a Prince Shizor from Star Wars, if anyone mm. remembers Shadows of the Empire. And I remember just stuff like some of his like lore bits uh, talking about how he's, you know, attempting to like seduce Princess Leia. And I'm like, he what? <laughs> you know, like, can he t- who hasn't read the book? <laughs> that <stuff>? bastard. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, that stuff sometimes was like everything, especially when you were a kid and you're you're in the car and you're looking at the toy. You haven't maybe opened it or you have, but you're like okay i can't i i'm in the process of waiting to get home so i can really like put this in the pile with my other figures and have him beat up all the other ones or whatever like Mm -hmm. you know you're reading that that's what you're looking at and it does this like theater sense of theater of the mind so i mean it's it definitely goes to show that i mean even the little littlest bits like there's people out there uh that that definitely love that stuff even if it seems like the most mundane anything and everything can be your entry point into something new that you don't know you're going to love so you kind of have to approach it with that sort of thing in mind and i you know 343 has to do that with every piece of franchise fiction that they make and boy do they make a lot yeah (laughs) yeah i think it was was it our last episode together josh you said that you work with someone whose only exposure to gears of war is the books yes wow he was like he said i remember because he was talking about it so he had so much love like he just was so convicted in like how much he loved the franchise and i was like okay well how is the like is asphalt fields like how does it complement like you know the first gears of war game and blah 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 like does it does it seem like you know it, it really like fits in well with it or is it kind of weird and stuff like that because i mean having read a lot of the you know if any of you guys i know you you probably have alex but uh, if any of you guys have read some of the uh, expanded universe stuff in star wars you know some of it could be very hit and miss <laughs> so uh when i was asking him that he was like oh i never played the games and i was like huh what and he's like yeah i've only read the books and i'm like 
really? Like, that is amazing. And I started prodding him, and I just thought, this is so cool. I think we had someone, uh, I, I can't remember who, if you're listening to this, definitely let us know in the Discord, but someone in the Discord early on, I think, said that they had read Fall of Reach before they even had played Combat Evolved. Mm. And it's such a weird thing to wrap my brain around, but I, I think that's so awesome because you just get a completely different perspective than I think Absolutely. like 97% of people. You know what's funny too is like to to kind of like, this is a good example of how like you don't really, you make sure you know what you're talking about before you talk about it sometimes. Yeah. Because I remember when I was, uh, and of course, I guess it was a different time. Uh, we didn't have as much uh, social media, internet relevance, but like when Halo Combat Evolved came out and the book Fall of Reach came out, there was all these kids in school that said Halo 1 was based off of a book series. <laughs> and I and you know I would say no that doesn't seem right that doesn't seem that's wrong. Did Brute Force get a book? I think it did. Uh, I need to read uh, but that's too bad we had to waste any time talking about that. I saw I just say real quick I'm sorry and I'll get back to it. No, go ahead. I saw on Reddit somebody was like posting how they wanted they just posted a copy of Brute Force and they were like Xbox team, please make this backwards compatible. And the first top comment was like, ah, yes, the, the like the the non Halo sequel. Like I can't remember how they worried it or worded it, uh, but I remember that that's what I've always thought. I, I felt like I wasn't under, alone. Yeah, there was something underhanded to the marketing of brute force where it kind of targeted the minds I think of those. They who said liked it was Halo. the next like, Halo because that maybe. became the thing at the time. Um, the Halo. But yes, Go ahead, Brian. Yes, so that's it, yeah. So with the uh, I'm sorry, man. With the, with the Fall of Reach book, you know, there's all these kids saying, oh, well, Halo series is based off a book series. And I'm like, no, that doesn't seem right. I thought it was an Xbox thing, you know. And then and then eventually some kid proves to me that the book came out first because date-wise, the book did come out Yeah, October 30th. So there was a small point in time when I was a kid where I was like, okay, well, he proved me wrong. I mean, it is based off a book series. Like, here's the facts. But that's not the case, you know, the, but the book is written alongside the development of the game and the development of the game started way before the book and then the book just happened to be released a little bit earlier. I mean, there's there's a lot more. Everything in life has more nuance than anyone wants to admit. Everyone wants to say it's just black or white. You know, it's, it's usually not. That, that, nah, not to get too philosophical, but that makes me like feel so grateful for the time we kind of live in with this stuff because, I mean, I, when I beat, I'm sitting there and like, pfft, it was, I don't even know what time it was. It was super late. And I'm, I'm just rolling credits on Halo Combat Evolved, and I'm so creeped out by just that transition of the the flood and the twist and everything and the tonal shift, and that I'm just like, I'm cre- like I'm having like it, it, you know you almost get like vibes from like the thing you know just mm-hmm. how some of that is and like I just remember being so eerie and thinking like I'm staring at the wall listening to the music as the credits roll and trying to think like. Is Chief and Cortana like all that's left of humanity, basically? You know, and I'm trying to like again do the theater of the mind and and fill it out. And then you look at, I, I didn't even know. My my point is, I didn't even know there was a book out, and it's mm. just like back then, all you knew was what you saw in a store, yeah. you know, or like a magazine and stuff, or television. Like you didn't have this online resource where you could search for like Halo books. You know, it's just weird to think about. What were we something say, I want to say that this is something I always forget to mention. So I'm I'm just gonna say it now to get out there. Um, and it's a nitpick thing, but um, I don't know for anyone listening. I don't know if you remember, but in the original Halo Combat Evolved, when you completed it, there was a very, very, very short cutscene after the credits of three four three Guilty Spark flying by to show that he's still alive at the end of Halo Combat Evolved. He wasn't, you know, on the gotcha, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, 
it's just a nitpick. I'm not actually that upset, but I'm like, that 343 didn't put that into the anniversary. There's no way to watch that unless you go to YouTube or pull out an original copy. Have they copy. said why? I think I it's in I, the right. CEA, the original release in 2011, but it's not in Master Chief Collection. Okay. I would love to see that there now, but I'll admit, it's not, a, you know, if you guys never do that, it's okay. It's not a big deal. But, like, <laughs> I, I just, I liked it. I mean, to me, to me, it's kind of weird to think they, there's a cutscene in Halo 1 that it's not an MCC. Mm. It's uh, super small. Well, you guys, I, I feel like I saw this somewhere and I'm forgetting, so you guys, I'll, I'll ask you, but what's the reasoning again why they haven't, like, you know, like like for Halo Reach where they have that sort of thank you notice and stuff as the pillar bottom, like, speeds off, like, on the screen? Is, why? What's the reason why they don't have that? Have they answered it? Do you know the answer to that? Alex, I'm not too say, sure myself. I, I can, no, okay. I can I can guess, but you know. I feel like I saw that somewhere, but maybe not. But uh, yeah, I just I, I wish. I mean, there's there's, there's probably there. some level of which it's you know it's a three four three product, but it's also made by Bungie. Maybe it's just a weird. Maybe it's like it's almost like a a, a rude thing to do or a dis- rights and licensing can get in the way of just so many That's things that we just don't have a clue about. You know, of, of, yeah. being consumers and you know not uh, behind the curtain, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Josh, do we do we want to wrap this up and so that we can continue this yeah, discussion? Absolutely, man. Uh, I've got you know if you guys stick around, you know there's always either a little jingle or a little skit. So uh, we got we we got the business on there. We can we can have uh, go through that. But yeah. yeah, this is the this is the first and I don't even know how many <laughs> we're gonna be doing of this. But this has seriously been a lot of fun. Uh, one of my favorite things about any of this stuff is literally how the conversations completely navigate yeah. elsewhere. Because you just get to talk about the whole broad range We're of barely products. through pre-production right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so yeah, provided provided you know both of us and, and Alex you know are are liking what we're doing here. Provided I'm good with going for as long as it takes to get through this stuff. And I think I think for the people listening, um, if you're list, if you're somebody who listens like right as the episode goes up, you're gonna get to this hour and a half mark after we had all this good discussion here and go oh my gosh guys it's done no 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 you know but like but next week it's going to be another hour gonna and be ha- back next weekend, for more, baby. yeah it's gonna be another hour and a half of this another hour and a half of this we're gonna keep going and going and going and provided everyone's on the same you know provided nobody gets fatigued here you may have eventually 10 episodes 11 12 episodes of 90 minute discussion of, of this this kind of organically building through uh, Halo 4 uh, up to its its launch and, and how we got there and just having these little discussions and at moments where we can bring up things that are what I like about this is moments where we can bring up things that uh, you normally don't talk about because it's so oddball like me bringing up the the 343 guilty spark cutscene at the end you know when's the last time anybody really talked about that or several other things that Alex or, or you have mentioned during this episode so um, Josh, you said the business is covered in your yeah yeah, and I was just yeah. So I'm just going to say for now, guys, definitely definitely be checking back in on this stuff. We're going to be doing this weekly as much as you know as often as we can uh, with the holidays being what they are and everything. Uh, we're going to be covering everything right now. We're sort of discussing you know like you guys heard sort of passing of the torch and everything. We're going to be talking about Ford Under Dawn. We're going to be talking. Uh, I can't wait to listen to Alex talk about the Forerunner books, um, just the expanded universe at that time. Uh, we're going to be doing like breakdowns, talking about every announcement. A lot of a lot of things pulled, uh, you know, from conversations, from panels and stuff like that. Things that we're going to be motion that cannot be undone. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna we this is going to be a, a, as thorough as we can make it. And I'm just gonna, you know, for again, any of you guys that don't like Halo Four uh, or or maybe just don't you know, only like it a little bit. I'm telling you, listening to people like Brian and Alex is going to turn you into a bigger fan because, I mean, that's what it's done for me. And just even going and researching this has been an absolute blast. And I see Halo 4 in a way I just have never seen it, and I don't see other Halos. And it makes me so excited. So I can't wait to be hey, back. Hey, maybe, maybe at the end of the day, if you listen to 
12 episodes of this and you think, man, I still hate Halo 4, but maybe, I, but I have a lot more appreciation and respect for it. That, that's a win for me. So long as they don't hate it more by the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? That would be a weird right? <laughs> You know, guys, great episodes, great content, but uh, I don't, I like it even less now. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, awful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just say, guys, I, you know, typically if you listen to our, our podcast, we usually have a lot of business spiel at the end. You know, we talk about our patrons, we talk about all that. We're just going to leave that into uh, Josh's, uh, you know, tune. Yeah, you're still going to hear me. <laughs> yeah, you're still going to hear him. Uh, but we want to kind of keep this like zeroed in. We're not going to do questions and answers. We're going to keep a zeroed in focus on the three of us Please talking about Halo 4. Um, so uh, I'm putting you on the spot, Alex. Do you think you could, um, could you do like a Sheev Palpatine, keep it sacred for us? <laughs> I can certainly give you it. You can say no. Okay. Okay, I'll start by getting into it by saying, did you ever hear the tragedy of Sacred Icon Halo? <laughs> Keep it sacred. Yes, thank you so much, guys. We will see you on the next episode. Take us out, Josh. <laughs>